Welcome to the Light of Christ podcast. Light of Christ Anglican Church is located in Georgetown, Texas at MLK and University Avenue. We are a modern expression of the ancient faith. You can learn more about us at lightofchristgeorgetown.org. Homily 5, Part 2. Good works flow from faith. We have already discussed two of the three characteristics of a living faith. First, a living faith is never idle and without good works, done as there is opportunity. Second, good works that are acceptable to God cannot be done without faith. Now we proceed to the third characteristic of a living faith, which is the kind of works that flow from a true faith, leading believers on to eternal life. The types of good works that flow from a living faith are best known by our Savior Christ himself, who was asked about this by a certain prominent man. The wealthy young man asked, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus answered him, If you would enter life, keep the commandments. But the prince, not being satisfied, asked further, Which ones? The young man asked Jesus which commandments Jesus was referring to because the scribes and Pharisees had made so many of their own laws and traditions to bring men to heaven, in addition to God's commandments that this man was unsure if he would enter heaven by following those laws and traditions or by following the laws of God. Christ responded to the young man with a simple answer, repeating the commandments of God and saying, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. By listing these commandments, Christ declared that the laws of God direct a person to eternal life, and not the laws and traditions of men. We should take this as an important and true lesson given to us from Christ's own mouth, that the works done according to the moral commandments of God are the true good works of faith that lead to the blessed life to come. Unfortunately, even from the beginning, Mankind's blindness and malice has always made him ready to fall away from God's commandments. The first man, Adam, who was given only one commandment, which he fully understood, that he should not eat of the forbidden fruit, instead listened to Eve, who had been deceived by the subtle lies of the serpent. In doing this, he followed his own will and left God's commandment. Since that time, all of Adam's descendants have been so blinded by original sin that they have been always ready to fall from God and his law and to invent a new way of salvation by means of works of their own imagination. This falling away from the eternal living God progressed to such a point that almost all of the world wandered around in their own fantasies, with some worshipping the sun, the moon, and the stars. Others worshipped Jupiter, Juno, Diana, Saturn, Apollo, Neptune, Ceres, Bacchus, while others even worshipped dead ancestors. Some not satisfied with these objects of worship, gave honor to various kinds of animals, birds, fish, fowl, and snakes. In every country, village, and house, images of these kinds were set up and the people worshiped them. This was the deep descent of mankind after it fell into its own fantasies, leaving behind the eternal living God and his commandments for innumerable images and false gods of its own making. Mankind remained in this air and blindness until Almighty God, pitying the condition of man, sent his true prophet Moses into the world to rebuke and correct this extreme madness, and to teach the people to know the only living God, 
and the way to rightly honor and worship him. However, man was so corrupt and enamored with his own fantasies and false worship that despite all the admonitions, exhortations, promises, and threats from God, he would not turn away from his own inventions. Even the people of Israel, who had received numerous benefits from God, when Moses went up on the mountain for a few days to speak with Almighty God, began to invent new gods. As the ideas came into their heads, they constructed a golden calf and knelt down to worship it. After that, the Israelites followed the Moabites and worshipped Chemosh, God of the Moabites. Read the book of Judges, Kings, and the Prophets, and you will see how unfaithful the people were, and how quickly they followed their own inventions, always ready to turn away from God's holy commandments. In those accounts, you will read about Baal, Molech, Chemosh, Milcom, Baal of Peor, Ashtoreth, Bel, the dragon, the bronze serpent, and many others. The people built images of their false gods and with great devotion invented pilgrimages. Carefully adorning and scenting the images, they knelt down before them and made offerings to them. They thought all of this was highly pleasing to God and was to be esteemed above the precepts and commandments given by God. At that time, God had commanded that no sacrifices be made except in Jerusalem, but the people ignored this commandment and built altars for sacrifices everywhere, in the hills, in the woods, and in their houses. They did not honor God's commandment, but valued their own fantasies and self-made devotion more highly. This error among the people became so widespread that not only the uneducated, but also the priests and teachers were corrupted with the same abominations, partly because of their desire for glory and money, and partly because of their own ignorance. The corruption was so complete that King Ahab had only Elijah as a true teacher and minister of God, but had 850 priests that persuaded him to honor Baal and to sacrifice to the woods and tree groves. This horrible error in the life of Israel continued until three noble kings, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, and Josiah, God's chosen ministers, destroyed the image worship and restored the people to the commandments of God. For their faithfulness, these kings will receive eternal rewards and glory from him. Besides all the inventions of men already mentioned, the inclination of man to create his own holy devotions gave rise to new sects and religions such as the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. Each had many seemingly holy and godly traditions and commandments, which by all appearances were glistening good works, but in reality were all tending toward idolatry, superstition, and hypocrisy. Actually, their hearts were full of malice, pride, covetousness, and all evil. Christ spoke out vehemently against these sects and their pretended holiness, more so than against any other people, often saying things like, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Despite all the traditions and outward shows of good works invented by their own imaginations, by which they appeared to the people to be the most religious and holy of all men, Christ, who saw their hearts, knew that they were inwardly the most unholy, most abominable, and furthest from God of all men. Therefore, he said to them, You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 
When Christ said that they worshipped God in vain by teaching his doctrines the commandments of men, he did not mean that any and all of the rules written by man were not to be followed. Christ himself was always obedient to the governors and their laws, made for keeping good order in society. Christ was renouncing the laws and traditions made by the scribes and Pharisees, which were not made for keeping good order in society as the civil laws were, but were set up as being the only right and pure way to worship God, equal to or even above God's laws, as many of God's laws could not be kept if the elders' traditions were to be followed. God detested this arrogance of man making his own laws equal with God's laws, which truly describe how to rightly honor and worship God, even to the point of requiring the people to disobey God's law in order to follow man's traditions. God has established his laws, and obedience to them honors and pleases him. It is also God's desire that all man's laws, which are not contrary to his law, should be obeyed, as they are necessary for every society to be properly governed. In fact, all civil laws should be written to lead men to better keep God's laws, that as a result, God is honored by obedience to them. However, the scribes and Pharisees were not content that their laws would be considered no higher than other civil laws and would be listed along with other temporal laws, but they instead called them holy and godly traditions and wanted them honored not only as a right and true way to worship God, but also as the right way to honor God even if the true commandments of God had to be ignored in order to follow them. Because of this, Christ spoke vehemently against them, saying, For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. It is common with such man-made traditions that they require the sin of breaking God's true commandments. More devotion and a more careful conscience in keeping of the man-made laws is required than in keeping of God's commandments. Therefore, the scribes and Pharisees, who so superstitiously and scrupulously kept the Sabbath, were offended with Christ when he healed a sick man on the Sabbath, and were offended with Christ's apostles when they gathered the ears of corn to stop their hunger on the Sabbath. When Christ's disciples did not wash their hands as frequently as the tradition required, the scribes and Pharisees quarreled with Christ, saying, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. But Christ rebuked them for requiring others to break the very commandments of God in order to follow their own traditions. As an example, Christ pointed out that the elders taught the people to bring their offerings into the treasure house of the temple under the pretense of giving God honor, while leaving their fathers and mothers, to whom they primarily owed help, without aid. So Christ said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. The elders considered an oath more sacred, which was made by the gold or sacrifice in the temple, than an oath made in the name of God himself or of the temple. They were more studious to pay their tithes of small things than to do the greater things commanded by God, such as doing works of mercy, or doing justly, or dealing sincerely, uprightly, and faithfully with God and man. Christ said that both the small and great things should be done. The elders were so blind in their judgment that they stumbled over a straw while leaping over a block. They would carefully pick a fly out of their cup, but then drink down a whole camel. Therefore, Christ called them blind guides, warning his disciples frequently to avoid their teaching. Although they seemed to the world to be the most perfect men, both in their life and teaching, their life was actually full of hypocrisy, and their teaching was a sour leaven mixed with superstition idolatry, 
and perverse judgments, as they set up their traditions and commandments of men in place of God's true commandments. 